All right. Welcome back. We've had a little bit of a break. Yeah. You're a busy man. Hey, you know, and it's, it's, and it's only getting busier. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's time it's for episode good. number 133. 133. Uh, so excited for this one. Well, this is good because I think we've talked about this subject um, offline a number of times. We kind of spiral into a, our conversations. And I didn't ask you about Game of Thrones, but I have to wait till we're done with this episode to yes, ask you, you about Game of Thrones because that was a, a really good episode that it just went by. Episode was I it haven't four? seen. I haven't seen the latest one. So you haven't seen the other one. No, we'll and talk about that oh, after. Oh come on, man! You're messing me up. I've been wanting to. Yeah, I know. Chat about this. Okay, so stuff. so this is this is great because this is my sort of thing about stories. So okay, being a writer, like I've you know been reflecting. Well, I reflect often about mm. the importance of stories in our lives, but more recently, I've sort of been thinking about the great. Um, call that we feel inside and the emotional attachment we feel when we watch a story about an epic journey and um, it can often feel like we have this longing for our life to be like that do you know what I mean so you want you have these favorite films and favorite um, books and stories whatever form they take and I think that there's something about the journey story whether that's an internal journey of the character Mm. or a big you know space battle or whatever that um that we're sort that sort of calls to something in us and calls us to remember that our life is also a journey and i think there's there can feel especially these days with us being so busy and sort of getting caught in the not being able to see the woods for the trees Mm. you know kind of feeling not being able to catch up with ourselves not being able to feel like we're kind of on top of things always you know all that kind of stuff we can sort of forget the profoundity of our journey, you know, and... Is it that we forget? Well, you know, we or used to have, you know, we used to have many more rite of passage rituals, and I think that's sort of part of it, too, is like mm. all of those things were about reminding you of the bigger and deeper journey that you're on, and we've sort of lost a lot of those, but I think it's still story is a place in which those that kind of profound journey is really honored. And I think, but you know. I think, I think so systemically, I think it's a number of things for me that that would come out of. I mean, as you, as you quite rightfully said about rituals, we don't necessarily mark rites of passages as profoundly as we used to. Well, some of us don't. I mean, like for, you know, doing the military thing was a, that's a rite of passage. So boy, go yep. in, go through some hardship, come out the other end. A remade man, so you know we have a ready-made story there. Um, less so, um, I suppose, in the sort of civilian civilian sector that you have that kind of pronounced thing. But saying that, and again, I, we could probably at- attach this from a number of different ways because I'm, you know, as I'm saying that, and I know in the UK sports isn't as big as it is in the states, and I don't know what the state of sports are now, but sports also for young men or boys mm-hmm. was another one of these ritual things that yeah. took you on a journey from you know not being able to use your body very well to um becoming yeah. mindful and being, yeah, yeah. using your body in a way that it was meant to be built so i think there's that i think that our stories have um we only look at them purely as entertainment now, whereas, bef- you know, in I times th- past, I sto- see, stories yeah. used to be 
instructional. I think that that, that is what um, we're told, but I think the power of story is that it gets in deep, no, it, even if we're not it. intentionally I'm watching not, it that way. I'm not, I'm not doubting stories in that, that stories absolutely have that power, which is why, I mean, everything's a story. I mean, we, you can't go any time of, you, nothing that you can do that the story's not involved. Look at how much media there is. Look at the yeah. magazines and newspapers, the books that are out, all the TV programs. I mean, our whole life is nothing but one big giant story. And, and we do have stories in our lives. Think of the, you know, find your prince, you know, that whole sort of Cinderella. I mean, a kid, you grow up on stories. And yeah, so, yeah. But they, again, they, they, they act as instructional models as well. Um, I think we used to put more emphasis on them. So taking yeah. my, my time that I spent with literature in the States, which I know they don't spend as much time on anymore, I mean, we really dissected what is, it, what is this story telling us about the human condition? Yeah. But I don't think we have the conversation around the human condition and what this story is. We kind of lapsed into um, just not mindfully absorbing stories and taking in the story subconsciously or subconsciously through entertainment because they still work on you. And, but we don't sit around the campfire now and dissect those. Or what does this story mean about this champion and this thing? What am, yeah. I, what am I learning? I know we did an episode um, uh, I mean, maybe two seasons ago in the one book that I mentioned in that that says uh, that was about... Um, your TV's making you smarter, or pop culture's uh, making you smarter, right, yep, or something yep. like that. And, and this guy was bringing back the ideas. Actually, if you sat down and thought about the stories that you're watching, and you looked at Game of Thrones in the context of how it affects your life, but there's instruction. I mean, it's still it's there, and that's why stories are so powerful for us because it allows us to explore these different. Um, emotional aspects of our being yeah. uh, through another medium. Yep. And hence, if a story told well, and we talked about um, McKay's book and story. I mean, it's a great book. If you ever want to understand what story means, I highly recommend that book to folks because he kind of breaks it down. And he mostly is talking about screenwriters, but it's any story, really, and the elements and how, um, you know, the stories that have the most impact are the ones that actually talk to our various different values and put those values in conflict yep. um, and then allow us to see what would happen if that value came into conflict with that one. Yep. So stories almost take these things to the extreme and then we get to experience it without having to actually be the one going through it. Right. Um, so yeah, so um, as I guess I was saying all that to say that I think there's a, systemically there's a number of different things that have kind of that detached us from our sort of consciously, unless you're a writer, of course, or you're really into <coughs> literature, or people who really love to um, read and, and uh, stories and study story, but like to extract um, what the story means and what values it plays. And I mean, Shakespeare was great for that. I mean, that's why those plays still endure now, because again, they spoke to. Um, universal truths within ourselves, or whether universal or not, but they spoke to truths within ourselves. Yeah. Uh, from that point of view. All this is to say that we're going to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, we're going to talk about Star yeah. Wars, and and um, 
I don't the know epic what space your, battle of our time. What your approach was. But. Well, well, basically, you know, the thing that sort of gets me excited about talking about these kinds of stories is is taking time to really look beyond the entertainment value to like what what resonates with you and what sticks with you because you know I mean there's so much in all the different films that's quoted and requoted quite often stuff about the force you mm-hmm. know um, and that that whole conception of of um, I don't know I guess force. spiritual like yeah. Or spirit or yeah the Tao or I mean any number of exactly um, eternal observer which I'll talk about a little bit later on so it represents that that aspect of us and, yep. and of course the, the all of the sort of st- Star Wars sagas there um, play into the hero's journey the whole sort of monomyth thing so they're written exactly yep. along those kind of lines um, to play out the various different aspects of ourselves as you go on this monomythic journey that we all sort of take yep. and you can all well because George George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, he spent time with Joseph Campbell in writing the first one, which is why, if you look at the first Star Wars, it almost exactly mirrors the um, hero's journey. Yeah. Because um, they spent time out in California. We need a place like that where all these high, you know, all these cool people they yeah. get together and have you know meet up. <laughs> and then historically, you look back and you know, oh yeah. He was hanging out with him, and he was hanging out with them. Well, um, let's let's, uh, in a way, the the whole story of Star Wars can be thought of in terms of like the chunks of three. So you have, you know, four, five, and six that were the first films to come out. So now, hold on, before you continue, yeah. you you're going for the film analysis. <laughs> I'm going for the whole thing, but oh. I'm just I'm just breaking it up so we're not yeah, necessarily uh, uh, talking about it once because basically yeah. what I think is that what the new films have done is made us rethink what the force is and how it works. And I think that is something that's like really important that has resonated with me in terms of like how I conceptualize spirit and, you know, so so but I think, you know, when you when you look back at those first films and you're sort of introduced to the forest and the Jedi being the people who are sort of tapped into the good side and being able to wield the good side of the force in a way that's more profound and powerful than just your average Joe, then, you know, there's so much, particularly, you know, when Yoda's training Luke and stuff that comes out that is, yeah, it's sort of incredibly profound. I had this one kind of idea ages ago that I was going to do um, Yoda yoga. <laughs> And, and start every class with a Yoda quote. But, you know, you totally could. Cause now, he's we had just this, I think we had this question before around whether they, they're Jedi and Yoda and all those guys are good guys. Well, that's what the new films really raise as a question, isn't it? Yeah. That's not a question that is in the first six films whatsoever. Like Yeah, so in the, in the order that I received them, it's not that way. Yeah. <laughs> there was a distinct good and evil. Yeah. Um, you know, good guys, bad guys. Mm-hmm. When you look at the prequels um, and what landed the guys and, you know, the characters where they are, then, you know, there's a space where, you know, it's ambiguous whether, I mean, you can go either way. You could argue either way whether they were, had grown too big for themselves or that they were just as power hungry as the emperor and it was that sort of 
they were trying to balance that power out, um, that maybe they overstep their bounds in a sort of in that that sort of sense. Um, so they're not they're not squeaky clean. <laughs> I mean, what I <laughs> what I really like also course. what you're saying about like the first those first ones. Well, I suppose that's that goes into even the earlier ones, so one, one, two, and three, where, you know, I think at one point Yoda says like the dark, the dark side is sort of clouded, the judgment of the Jedi and the dark side becoming more powerful, you know, when you think about, you know, anger and these kind of things and these sort of emotions that, you know, in this storyline lead you to the dark side. And they are very sort of murky and blinding kind of emotions. You know, they, they sort of have an energy to them that can carry you. And we've all had moments where we've been angry probably and have said things that, you know, with a calmer let, state of mind you wouldn't have said. Yeah, or it's when you let the anger consume you. Yeah. Because anger is a part of you. But I think this, yeah, yeah. this is why I love yeah. these films in the sense that they're so instructional about these kinds of things. Yeah. You know, and when... Um, you know, I was just I was just looking at like so the most recent ones that have come out. Remember um, the girl that um, starts to have a sort of semi like awkward love relationship with um, Finn, and she eventually sort of like crashes into him in that final scene and like tries to save him. And she says, "We are not going to win this by fighting against what we hate." but by trying to save what we love. And I think, you know, that intention, we can see that intention in, like, all the sort of successful nonviolent movements, you know, all the, you know, nonviolent protests and stuff. And, you know, all of these things are actually quite instructional for, for the sort of shifts that can be made in our mindset towards yeah. things. If we take the time out to delve into them. Yeah, yeah <laughs> But exactly. I don't know that many people would necessarily take the time out. Because my revelation when you proposed this topic to me last night was to... Um, and I only looked at one aspect of St Star Wars. And, it, and in fact, I learned something new. I have had a paradigm shift this morning Ooh. from looking back in through to Star Wars. Um, and we've had this conversation before about uh, free will mm -hmm. and about predestination um, and the like. And the whole sort of... One of my um, arguments against free will has always been that if you buy the, that there's a god or the force or some um, entity like that that's all-powerful and all-knowing then you, how can you have free will if God already knows what you're going to do? Because God right. is a... Um, and this goes back to um, Aristotle, and I think Aquinas builds on this as well, but basically they, you know, the, you know God is, um, is an is a eternal observer. The Force is an internal observer. Because so there's a questions again um, in Star Wars around whether Anakin had no choice but to do what he did because he was a part of the prophecy and the prophecy said that he would bring balance back to the force uh, or, and, um, and whether he had to fulfill that destiny or not. So does he have free will or no? And what I've come to understand by exploring this is that um, 
I have changed my view on free will. If you look, if you buy, if so, if you look at it, if you break it down in this way, um, and again, just referencing back to um, Aristotle, and I think Thomas Aquinas built on this idea. It was from Aristotle, basically. Basically, what he said is that um, in order to have time, you have to have things in motion. So that's what kind of time is. Right. Um, and if there's no motion then there's no universe with things in it that are in motion. And in order for there to be a God, God created the universe, he has to be out of time. So he doesn't follow that, because he's created it, so he's out of time. Him being out of time, he doesn't see time linearly like we do. So our life goes by in a linear fashion. So in essence, for us, the past doesn't exist and the future doesn't exist. So we have to... Right. But because the God or the force or the uh, eternal observer, which I'll just call it that for now, mm-hmm. or the force of flipping between, um, experiences the past, the present, and the future at time, you know, right in that moment. Yeah. So in the present is all of it is happening. And the thing that shifted my th- my thinking on this is how this was explained in an essay um, by a guy named Jason Erbal is that does God, the force, the eternal observer, have the knowledge of the future because of the, you've made the choice? So that's where his right. knowledge has come from. Yeah. And you just have to catch up with it. But it's not pre, it wasn't predetermined. It's just it was just that, like Neo that yeah. you've already made the choice. Now you just have, have to, to understand, understand that it's just the it momentum is. of, yes, okay, yeah, got that. So that's, that was interesting for me to um, have that. That. Is that what you think? Is that where you've landed now? That's where I've landed. I've landed now that that so if if God or the force and we, we apply this to Anakin and his journey as well and with the emperor because emperor it was all this like foreseeing it. The emperor talks a whole lot about understanding the future and and Yoda and Luke have conversations about the future. Remember that scene um, in Empire Strikes Back when he has the premonition of Leia and uh, and, and Luke or Han Solo um, yeah. in trouble. Um, and he asked Yoda, you know, you know, you know, are they going to be okay? Essentially, is what it, and then Yoda was like, well, the future is always moving, so it's hard to see that. Um, so again, it was this idea of, you know, is is that track foreseen to the point that it cannot be changed ever, or if we have free will, we still have the ability to make these choices. Um, the force for God in this, in the force in this instance, can influence things, but because of the way the system's set up, you still can deviate from that, which is ultimately became the emperor's downfall, because he'd foreseen everything that he thought was on his future, but he hadn't counted on the fact of Luke throwing down his lightsaber and refusing to kill Vader at the end, and then the emperor's like, ah. And so then he starts to um, destroy Luke. And then, the, of course, Darth Vader has his moment of redemption um, by sacrificing himself to save his son in that, in that instance. Um, so, yeah, so um, I was like, oh, I get it now. But I know there's arguments on the other side of that. Okay. Because, like, you know, they say, oh, because God is all-powerful and all-knowing, but he created... So what you're saying is there is... That, that you do have a destiny, but you also have free will. Well, I'm saying that you don't have a destiny, 
I'm saying that you do have free will. Okay. But it seems like destiny if you have this force that sees all the time in the present. But it just seems like destiny. So it seems like destiny. But you are influencing it. This thing that's out of time has seen all of time. But what it's seen, or this is the question that's of debate, what it has seen, this force has seen, is it's getting its knowledge from the choice that you made out of your free will. Right, okay, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey! Hey, so that was a good one for me. I was like, oh, okay. And and there was another part about, you know, again, this idea that, you know, God created the system. So by giving us free will, he limited his power. Mm. So he can still step in to influence, but ultimately you still make a choice. And this happens with, um, if you remember... I guess this is in the prequel, where, um, uh, what's it, Qui-Gon? Qui-Gon? Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn. Because he's the one that, that he found Anakin. He found Anakin. Right, and because of the, I forgot the little thingies that float around that was very strong. Oh, um, not. (laughs) Those things. (laughs) Um, But he he was like Morpheus in a sense. He was so convinced that Anakin was the one, the chosen one, the one who's going to restore balance um, in the force that, again, just blindly he sort he of goes, in goes yeah. against the council's sort yeah. of thing. And not starts to training them. And, yeah. and, and the tricky thing with Destiny, if you really think about it, Anakin does then restore the balance in the end. Yeah. But everyone... By setting things in motion that... But no, by throwing, throwing the emperor, by killing the emperor in the end. Yeah, yeah. But it, it didn't pan out how everyone was thinking <laughs> that it would. So um, right. Jin was thinking he's the chosen one, so he, he's going to do it in a, you know, in a good, nice way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The yeah. emperor looking at and thinking of the future and seeing this prophecy, invader and all of that. Again, he was looking um, yeah, with his own blinders on, but discounting that while the force can influence these characters ultimately they they still have free will to make choice yeah yeah so yeah very good yeah so that was um that was a a nice shifter for me this morning i was at sort of five o'clock that's been that's been a big like thing for you as well a big question that's always been a big question to me it was always this idea about you know sort of free will and do we have it or not and then because you know then the whole sort of god thing and being all powerful and all knowing and i was thinking yeah i think i think what's been nice for me is that i think the the force as a and I think this is probably true for a lot of people nowadays, the idea of the force as a different conception of a spiritual kind of power in the world, something that sits um, in the same way that mystics connected with God, that sits everywhere and connects everything and is everywhere. Um, it just works better for me as a, as a you know, because we're just working within this, like, limitation of our human mind and what we can conceive of, you know. It's like camping this weekend, looking up at the night sky and just, you know, I think sometimes when you explain to your kids something, it's like, 
you re-remember how profound it is. Mm. Re-remember, can I say that? You know, you look up at the stars and you think every single one of those is a sun. And around every single one of those is numerous planets and numerous worlds. And you look at the vast canopy and like you, you just literally cannot wrap your head around it. You know, but we are just, that's where you can really feel the limitation of like the human conception of distance and whatever. Um, you know, but I think... I was really disappointed then with The Last Jedi at first. Right. And I think that there is moments in that that I still feel that way about, which I'll, which I'll say in a minute. But, um, you know, I think what's, what it brings out is this question of, like, in, uh, of ordinary reality, maybe, versus unordinary reality. Mm. So you think that's the words or the language that shamanism uses, but there's all kinds of, the same kind of thing sits within Buddhist tradition, all kinds of different, like, spiritual traditions where you have, yes, in the ordinary world, we must remember that you know, things are solid, but in a non-ordinary world, we also know that everything is made up of vast amounts of space. You know, and mm. you can go that way with physics as well, can't you? And I think in the ordinary world kind of mind frame, you do have these two, this binary system of, of forces for good and forces for evil. And these things do seem to matter, you know, and that's, that feels very true in our life, particularly with all the different people's feelings about the political situation, the environmental situation. Like, you know, we all have these sort of in that trouble, though. Exactly, but I th- then I you think have we have it because there isn't a universal truth. There isn't a universal good or universal bad. Maybe this is the argument. The argument this is, is yes, that's right. That there isn't one. Hence, why we're having all the wars and all the conflicts and all these other things because no one. Well, can, I think the thing, the thing that that that. Okay, so then you have this whole thing where Luke has disappeared, right? And hmm. and Ray, the new heroine, has to like go find the last Jedi. And when she finds him, he, you know, she's expecting to find someone who will train her in the force, like Luke found Yoda often, you know, we sort of get that retelling of that story only in a very different way, because of course Luke doesn't want to train her. Hmm. And um, it's not just the traditional rejection of the, you know, guru that, you know, rejects, rejects, and then accepts when the sort of student seems sincere, but it's like, no, he is rejected the force really. And, you know, then, and then you have the scene where like Yoda appears and sort of sets fire to the, all the books in this like last Jedi temple. So all of the knowledge of the force that was acquired over however many generations of Jedis is just, goes up in smoke like that. And, you know, what, what Luke and what that whole kind of, you, what it opens out, I think, in the story is Luke's realization that the force is neither good nor evil and that this binary creates the opposite. Like, as soon as you have the Jedi you will have the first order or yeah. the thing. Can evil and, exist without good? And or can exactly, good exist without exactly. evil? Exactly. And as soon as you yeah. set that up and, and that if you go underneath things into the non-ordinary world, then the force is just the force. Right? I mean, how would you, how would you sort of 
Yeah, but that's right. I mean, that's what you think about the universe. The universe doesn't actually care about us. I know people say universe and doing good and all this, but then there's the argument that says, well, actually... It doesn't care about us, and I think, in the way that we think yeah, it does. Yeah, how we humanize it. And yeah. I don't think it cares about us at all. I mean, you can't even use that word. The, it is, just as you just... The force is the force. The universe is the universe. There isn't... A, you know, you got the, the dudes... What's that? The secret. And all those kind of things mm. where there's this... For, you know this thing that you can manipulate and um, I don't know so when you look at it from a, a Zen point of view it or no not Zen but Taoism mm-hmm. it is and yes that's the and that's that's it there is it isn't good or bad it just is um, now people do different things with it just like in the Force in Star Wars you know, the Force is the Force but some people you know, Darth Vader and the Emperor and those guys choose to use the Force in a negative they way. They can tap into the power of the Force and use it. Use it in a negative way. Right. And then you have others who decide to use the Force f- for what we would call good, maybe, unless you're in the prequel and you got the Jedi Council where they're trying to influence politically. And it's not clear who's good and who's got bad, and people are trying to do the right thing and sometimes making the wrong choices and stuff like that. Just like you have sort of good witches and bad witches, or black witch, white witch, and sorcerers versus um, wizards and that sort of thing. It's like the 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 actual force is just there, an energy to be tapped into, and it's the human that brings whatever it brings to it is how it'll use it or manifest that force yeah but the force itself doesn't it makes me i think the thing is that it makes me i suppose you know it makes me realize like okay like how the dalai lama can be so calm Hmm. i suppose because if you think about his story and you think about you know being kicked out of your country losing everything that you had knowing that the people who you deeply feel like in charge and in like the service of are being really poorly treated Mm. and in some cases tortured and blah, 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 blah. You know, I think that when you talk about the vast amount of time and you talk about like bigger perspectives that can be had that like we rarely tap into and, and probably a lot of us don't have access to because we don't have that kind of like depth of mental strength really and like practice you know I mean I think that's the thing about the force and this is the sort of thing that like kind of sits a bit funny with me because like in the story of Star Wars you have this idea set up that the force is there that some people find it easier to connect with the force although the force is available to everybody but that in order to wield it you have to be highly trained because it can be dangerous and it can go wrong, you know? And that's what happens with Kylo Ren, isn't it? Like, the force is offered to him, and then, you know, that's what Luke feels is his big failing, isn't it? That he didn't create a person strong enough to be able to handle the power, and then he goes to the dark side. So you have that all set up, but then you also have Rey, who just seems to, like, you know, all of a sudden be able to wield the force so that she can sort of release herself from captivity, can, you know, speak to Kylo Ren across distance, like, you know, and and that kind of didn't sit quite right with me because I sort of felt like 
either the force is something that everyone has access to, but you, you know, in order to wield it, you should be trained, which, it, which is, I guess is the Buddhist sort of way of thinking about it, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you but know, I think, uh, so there, there, there's a value in the training. The, the training gives you something that you don't necessarily have if you don't do the training. I think it's. I think the training is just a ritual. You actually don't don't need the training. So. Why do you think that? Because it's a natural born thing that's in you, mm-hmm. but you bring to it your human condition, experiences, and all these other things that you've done, that are now in your head that you haven't separated from, that you've disconnected from, and so part of the training is a ritual to start to retrain your mind and reconnect to what it already knows how to do. Right. So you've kind of become separated from that. And right. you can do that through various different ways. I mean, if you look at some of the sort of Japanese stuff, you, know, you could do it through bonsai trees. Right, true. You could do it through archery or tea ceremony. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah. need an external thing to help you to right. go yes, on yes, this, yes, this journey to sort of reconnect. So it's always there. Um, I was looking at some other stuff the other day. We were talking about this. There's this new concept, which I don't really like because I think they're just kind of stealing from old history, but that's fine. Um, it's these guys, that it's called One Thought and the Three Principles. Um, and what, and, but if you, if you look how they couch the story, it's like when you start bringing stories in your head to all these different things and you create other experiences that so you and I will look at however what we're doing right now we're having a totally different experience you and I even though we're having this conversation and mutually it seems like it's the same but we're having a different experience but it's all based on what you're doing with your thoughts inside of your head and so there's one thought guys is about losing the thoughts in your head and just almost as a be present type thing um, and don't try to force and in fact I was the stuff that I'm reading with um Mahala Shik Mahala in Flow. Mm-hmm. He talks about, in fact, he's made me rethink my thinking on spirituality um, and kind of almost kind of divorce myself from spirituality in a sense, um, or at least have a different view of spirituality. And we talk about consciousness, you talk about um, sort of. Um, yeah, when you start to kind of get into that sort of space. But anyway, so I think, yes, I think if you think about Ray, um, she's probably spent a lot of time alone. Mm-hmm. So a lot of her socialization has come from cell. So mm-hmm. no one's told. No, so she hasn't been around anyone that's told that she can't use the force. Yeah, true. Um, so just like when you're kids, right? And some people say that we used to be able to see angels and other things like that. that like I had an imaginary friend. But from my Christian tradition, they teach the parents that when your kid has an imaginary friend, it's the devil that they're talking to. So they try and steer you away from that. Because I had a friend named May Monkey. <laughs> we spent a lot of time together um, talking. But... And then you think of all the other things once you put the kids in the school system that we train out of them. Yeah, right. Okay, I yeah. see where you're going. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. Um, and so, yeah, so at some point in time, this was the same thing with the army, isn't it? So it's, you know, you've got all this stuff that your parents and school and all that thing, but we need you to think in this way. So let's strip all that down and rebuild you go through your Buddhist training, your Taoist training. It's like, all right, you've yeah, got all yeah, this yeah. stuff and you come into it. 
well, let's strip all that thing, that stuff down and reorient you on this particular path. But conceptually, you have all that stuff in you already. Right, true. Yeah, yeah, and that's the whole Buddha nature thing as yeah. well. So that, like all traditions have a, yeah, that sort of thing. It's all, it's yeah, that, that's true. That's interesting. Yeah, I just... Um, yeah, and then what do you make of the fact... Because there's the other thing I had a sort of issue with I mean, I guess there's two things still to say for me is one is to come back to the idea of the fact that there's an ordinary world and mm. a un- non-ordinary world, say, that in the non-ordinary world, that's the realm of like, you know, quantum physics. That's the realm of like space and time and and the well, sort some of people force. Say that's just the imagination, is it? Isn't well, it? yeah. So some people say that. But, mm. you know, I don't say that. Yeah. But and then but when you are embodied like we are in this human body so even though the force is in us then we also have to interact within this realm of like form and things come in and then I suppose it's an for me it's an issue of that story of which wolf do you feed kind of thing so you know the story about the two, we all have two wolves yeah. inside us you know sort of drawing from all kinds of traditions but just to sort of explain it you know and the, the grandfather said which which wolf will, will grow in you and which will win the battle of your heart and it's the one you feed and so I think that in this sort of non-ordinary plane we might say yes there's just the force and no good and evil but in our ordinary world we you know choose to feed or choose to and strive to feed the the light, you mm. know. But isn't that so? I know you you, uh, you you refer back to Buddhism a lot, and I always kind of dip back to sort of Zen or Taoism in mm-hmm. that sort of sense from, from that point of view. Um, um, the whole dualism by creating yeah, exactly, an ordinary yeah. not, but there isn't either one of those. No, that's right. But yeah. I think it's very difficult because we are in a body and we experience ourselves as like an us with a body that's separate from other bodies and other things, then we're sort of in a world in which those things kind of exist. And so in a way you could think of, you know, that Shakespeare quote, like we're all just playing the roles we're playing along, Hmm. you know, that yes, we, we know and can connect to the non-ordinary world that says like, there is just the force. But while we're in this body, we're going to embody light. It's sort of how I, it's yeah. sort of how yeah. I kind of I, think about it on a practical level for me. Yeah. You know? This is where the um, Chick Mahala stuff has changed my thinking a little bit. Mm-hmm. As in, again, this is the flow guy. This is the flow guy. Is he, yeah. What is he, like Czech or something? I guess. Yeah. Mahala. I, yeah. Mahala, He's a, like that. very difficult to pronounce. Yeah. Um, He's the yeah. guy that came up with the flow state. Yeah, the yeah. flow state amongst other things. Um, Which we have a fact, podcast episode on. We do? Yeah. Okay. Do we have one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Um, so. You were there. I was there. <laughs> um, this idea about, and again, in fact, you can look at the flow state or the stuff that when I talk about the sort of warrior tradition, the warrior, not warrior as in necessarily the fighter, but if you think about the Dan Millman series yep, of yep, books yep. and those sort of things, is that. Um, the non the non ordinary reality, all of it happens again. It's in your mind, so there isn't a 
there isn't a thing that exists outside of you, put it that way. I know you're saying we have a body, yes. but actually there's nothing that exists outside of you. You're seeing this form, but you're seeing it, you're perceiving it through your mind. Yes. <laughs> so nothing exists outside of the mind. So the force, or whatever you want to call it, is all inside of your sort of cranium. So that separation of those two is not there. And the people that get good at manipulating this stuff come to realize that it's there is no spoon. there is no spoon there is no separation but it's the mind which must bend well exactly i yeah. mean if you think of that and if you look at it in that sense it's it's yeah. because we have this illusion that there's a separateness um that there's a body and there's a spirit and there's these other things all around us when actually when you get to the point where you really understand your own mind, you realize you have a lot more power. Yeah. And I think we talked about this, that um, the power sinks and being able to eliminate that. So again, talking about training again. So the reason you go through the training is these rituals to help you to unlearn, unlearn yeah. those things. So you have to get rid of your power sinks or the power drains. Um, because they're soaking up this energy that you could use. Um, and you talk about uh, the sort of stuff that Castaneda goes through, that whole sort of body of work as well. It's the same idea of going into the Nagul, the non-ordinary world, if you want, but actually you make that journey through your mind. Shamanism, the journey is through the mind. You listen to the drum to get yeah. your mind into the right space and then everything is taking place within your head it's like but I, yeah so I, I get what you're saying but I think also the great thing about Star Wars is that it gives you both realities together mm. and that actually like there is a, a important sort of I don't know I feel like it's important sort of recognition that in the ordinary plane of our lives people are suffering you know and there is a sort of action, you know, that can, like, call us to do something about that, but you know? Like, but yes and no. Think about the whole Paris thing and the, you know, the flipping Notre Dame thing burning up. What about it? Well, you know, within, within you know, hours, people were donating millions Right to yeah. restore this, yeah. and then someone pulled out the statistics of the homeless. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, and that just in Paris alone, that they could well, use that money to for eradicate them, homelessness. But they would yeah. rather spend it on a building. Yeah, but I think that's the whole point: is like our actions in this ordinary world do matter. You know, I mean, it's like mm. you're saying about our choices and free will. To go mm. back to that bit, like we are also in this like body and embodied world making choices and those choices will have it, certain effects inside of the embodied what drives the embodied world so how do you do what you do well yeah i'm the mind for yeah. sure yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so so that's that's true but then i think that's where that's where star wars is sort of great at like showing the link between those two things and also the parallel sort of experience of those two things but do they you know? pull those things outside of themselves or from inside because you mentioned ray and how can she do these things because she didn't pull it from outside of herself she 
She had it in, it was in her. So, but she's still, but, she's not going, oh, there's just one force. There's no good versus evil. Exactly, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give up the fight and just whatever. No, because no one's given her that thought. So for her, no one. Luke has. Well, no, before, before she, when she's learning, you know, when she's tapping into the force, no one's told her that you have to go through all this training to necessarily do that to start with. But then conceptually, things start happening and people are trying to manipulate her. Um, you know, Kylo Ren's trying, you know, so people now, and people understand more about what she's capable of than she does. And so now they want to manipulate that to their own sort of advantage or what have you, because in some sense she's naive to, to she's not bringing the same politics right. that they're bringing to it. So there's almost a purity in her sort of space. Mm. Now, depending on her strength of mind, as we're seeing it, it's starting to develop, it's, you know, her independent action from these people trying to sort of manipulate her. But wherever and she And you're saying that from both sides. You're saying Kylo yeah, Ren yeah. and the, the sort of Jedi side. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so at some point she's got to, you know, make her own independent sort of choices, but these other forces are trying to influence that. Right. And maybe they're influencing it because they possess, at a particular point in time, more knowledge than she has about the forces that exist within her and the power of those. So if I can convert her, mm-hmm. warp to my her side. mind to her side, then I can use yeah. that power to my advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, again, I think this whole idea of separateness is more in our minds, and it's more to help us to maybe understand. Uh, internal workings that we create this sort of mm. separate world or actually I don't want to deal with that so you know some people choose to not even acknowledge that that kind of stuff exists it's just this right. playing this world it's just the things that I have with the five senses and there is no other thing right um, and I think the people who have the greatest personal power are the ones who are able to influence various different things. Your Buddhas, your Jesuses, your those guys who um, amassed personal power because they got rid of these other things, these power sinks that they conceptually seem to be able to do things that non-ordinary people can do. Um, And then everybody else who look at that say, actually, I'd like to be able to do that well, now you've got to go on this ritualistic path to unlearn all the things you learned in order to be able to tap into um, some of these things. It's a good book I've read. Um, I think it's called The Green Dragon or something like that, but it's it kind of goes through the making of a Taoist wizard, basically, mm-hmm. and that whole sort of process. And there's loads of meditation, and they, you know, he has to learn ordinary meditation, and then he, you know, they lock him up in the... Yeah, yeah. Sort of cave forever, so he can't. So time no longer, you know, loses that attachment to time. So um, you get to experience all the different phases of that particular training that sort of presses the mind and stresses it out. And finally, you say, "Oh yeah, that was it was here all along." (laughs) Um, So yeah, and I think when you read read any religious texts and things like that, you'll find scriptures and things that point to the fact that you know there's a that the stuff is in inside of you that it's yeah, there yeah yeah um but you lost your way in a sense 
I love yeah. the guy in um Oh, uh, what's the uh, what's the one where they're um, what's the the one of the side films that they made that's about stealing the plans to the Death Star? Oh yeah, Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah, yeah, yeah where the guy is like the Force is with me, yeah. I am the Force or whatever. Yeah. I'm totally misquoting that. What does he say? Oh, he says, yeah, yeah. The Force, I am, I am, I am the Force. The Force, the force is with me, me or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, no, he was cool. I liked all those. It's just that repeating thing is also yeah. really powerful, isn't it? Yeah, mantras. That's yeah, what mantras exactly. are. So doing yeah. your mantras or prayer, prayer. I mean, all these things that again to sort of focus this powerful piece mm. of equipment that we have that we don't have control over. A lot of times, it controls us. Mm. And part of the idea here is to get control of this powerful piece of equipment that we have inside of our skulls. I know, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Just um, one more thing I'm, I'm just thinking about, which is that um, to sort of come full circle and talk, come back to like the power of story thing. Um, you know, I, so I was talking to a friend recently about, about Star Wars and, and they're not as much of a fan and stuff. And I was sort of saying like one of the, one of the reasons why I love the Star Wars films, is that it really plays on that um, story arc of like all of the different people on the team sort of doing their little piece. Yeah. And they're outside of contact with each other. It's the same with Lord of the Rings. You know, all the little parts of the fellowship are, are doing their own little piece. And you really get that in a, in a major way in Rogue One, where because we already know how important yeah. these plans are, that the fact that they, them stealing the plans of the Death Star makes everything else happen in the Star Wars films from like Luke becoming himself basically. Yeah. And um, yeah, all of that and stuff. Maybe we should do an episode on um, cause and effect then. Yeah, true. And, and yeah, that's which what is, that kind of speaks yeah. to, isn't it? The causality of well, that. So, but, but you know, the, the sort of power in a story of like all of the different people doing their different things, you know, and you have in, in Rogue One, you have all of the different, you know, flashing back and forth between all the different storylines where, like, this, you know, these two have to make this happen and these people have to, you know, get the power, cert, you know, hmm. thing down off the planet so they can project the information. You know, everything is sort of on a nice edge and it comes together and it's sort of the same moment with Lord of the Rings when you know, Aragorn and the whole group are surrounded and there's sort of the all of lost moment and then the, ta you know, the tower goes and they sort of realize Frodo's kind of done it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, so I was talking to this friend, she was like, yeah, that story, like I get that, but that storyline doesn't resonate with me because I'm so much more of a like lone wolf type person. And so, you know, and I just, it sort but of occurred to me, person, I think. Though, she thinks about all the other people that play any part in her life, that she's not doing anything That's true, alone, but, I, but yeah. I, think, I think this is the whole point, is that, like, certain stories that we consume resonate with us. And so I think it's sort of, it's kind of an, a worthy exercise to sort of think for a moment about the stories that you really love and have really stayed with you and resonate with you and just sort of, Think about why that is and sort of what it is that they have informed in your life. And I think that, you know, equally, you can get into a zone of reading stories that really bring you down. And I think, you know, making sure that it's also a bit of a, a, of a sort of personal practice and sort of spiritual responsibility, I would think, 
to say, you know, I'm going to consume stories that, you know, lift me up or that bring me to something that I want to know. I mean, it doesn't matter about being sad. I'm not talking about it being sad, but like sad is okay. Or even the death and destruction. Yeah, it's okay. It's all okay. But I think, you know, the, the messages that we're getting from that, because some people are consuming stories that are about things that... Human things. Well, things that make... That, that bring insecurity, that reinforce insecurity, or that, you know, just, it's just, no, it's sort of a you. personal yeah, yeah. sort yeah. of thing, but it's just more of a call to reflect. And But I think so. Yeah. So on that, and I, and I get you, and that, that's the whole point of stories is to go and explore those things. Um, but then come up one more level from that as, and you're saying that the story, some lift you up, some do these. So when you connect back up to some of the people that we talked about earlier who understand the power of the mind that what you just did is an example of the mind controlling you i.e. you letting the story dictate how you feel when actuality the story can't do does not dictate you You i know we're gonna have to do another episode on this because you know not everybody buys the fact that you have choice and some people say that you can I agree. Be yeah, I agree with that. that. I agree with that. And um, I also think it kind of comes into your subconscious if you're not careful. And, and Yeah, if you don't, again, subconscious yeah. is a part of your mind. So, yeah, again, yeah, if yeah. you don't have any control over your mind, yeah. then, yes, these influences can happen. And that's the whole point. The whole point of the warrior training, Taoism training, all of that is so that you get control of your mind. Stoicism yeah. was the same. Yeah. So when you were mentioning about the sort of suffering and how the Dalai Lama can be, I mean, you think about the Stoics, it was like, you know what, there's some things you can control, some things that you can't control, yeah. and focus yeah. on the things that you, that you can control. So Seneca could lose everything and still not be bothered because he yeah. didn't have an attachment to that because it's like, okay, it's a thing. And, and, that. So, um, and then when you're talking about um, all the different elements yeah and i just say spend some time in the military because that's what it's like i oh, mean we God, live that yes it's great it's like and and then and again this is another episode as well is um the whole trust so for us military operations are very intricate so you know you got a, a squad you got a platoon you got a company and then you got a battalion so you got all these lethal things out there and i have to hundred percent so if, if you're meant to take the hill to the left or to go to the tower and get this communication thing, um, I have to trust that you're on that mission because I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. And if you've got to do your... And if any one of those pieces falls through, then the whole thing can sort of collapse in that sense. But you have to have extreme faith in your fellow soldier that they're doing the thing that even even on a small level with a squad we when we look at a battlefield i have a sector of fire that's you know from 10 to 2 your sector fires from sort of 1 to 3 and i'm just assuming that you're covering that space you're not goofing off or anything like that because my life depends on you covering that thing and i have to have it that extreme trust that you're covering your little piece of that pie and yeah. it works itself all the way up to divisional level that yeah, yeah. you're trusting it every and not just the soldiers but all the support guys who are making the bullets and making the food that comes to That's us why I love space too I went to the space totally I went to this the National yeah. Space Center over like a couple of weeks ago when the kids mm. were off school for the week and um 
they have this new planetarium show about the Apollo missions, and that was exactly the same. Yeah, I just, yeah, I exactly. honestly, like, I watch a rocket blast off, and I, like, immediately tear up because it's so emotionally overwhelming to me, like, how much, you know, everybody is, like, having to, everything has to be yeah. right, and we'll you know? And we'll end on the story yeah. that they tell about um, uh, at, at NASA in Florida, with the guy that cleans the toilets and, and when they were launching it. Um, and someone asked him that question. He said, what do you do? Well, he, said, well, he basically said, I helped put the men on the moon. Because <laughs> yeah. somebody's got to clean the toilets, right? And that all that functions. So, yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah, totally. All right, uh, good chat. Cool. I've had my nice little epiphany this morning, or my yeah. shift, I wouldn't say epiphany, but uh, sort of my shift in relationship to... Uh, free will and all uh, things to Star Wars and, and from that sort of aspect um, so yes read the book story if you really want to yep that's by to, Robert McKee yep um, yeah. and then another book that's good if you're into Star Wars and you're kind of geeky like me to read um, is a book called Star Wars and Philosophy Ooh. more powerful than you could possibly imagine this is a number of oh, essays and all the different philosophical questions that are addressed in the Star Wars universe. Awesome. All right, very good. All we'll right. catch you next time.